Hello, it's Pete here, and welcome to the newly revamped AI Innovators. This time, we have David Gillam talking to you from South Africa about AI video tools for educational purposes. But firstly, how do you pronounce his company? Colossian, that's it. You got to really get your uh, mouth around those L's and the N. <laughs> How deeply pleasurable. Thank, thanks a lot for that. So, um, so you're in the AI video space, uh, which is a crowded space, but that's, of course, a good thing, isn't it? As is, uh, you know, coffee on the high street. That's a crowded space too. But it's, uh, it's, I think so. It's good for uh, it's good for the consumer, really, and for uh, all the companies out there that are looking for this kind of a product. And there's so many amazing things happening in the in the video space and AI video space and we're playing in kind of one corner of that, really, with uh, with AI avatars. But, you know, it's a it's a pretty large uh, landscape and we're looking for lots of fun integrations. And I'm sure we can talk about some of that as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, and my in terms of my prior knowledge, um, these will be platforms that you're already familiar with. So I, I, I know about Synthesia. I've had to play around with that. Uh, I don't know about I'm just reading from a list here. Um, I don't know about Runway or Lumen 5. Uh, I've, I've used Descript. Which I like a lot. I like Pictory too. I don't know in video or rephrase or deep. I know Deep Brain AI a little bit. Uh, I know Animaker too. But of course, um, you know, Colossian is, is different, isn't it? And so I wouldn't want to tie you down specifically to a, a USP in excelling point necessarily, but uh, there will be some things that you might be able to talk about that make it different. Yeah, for sure. I think. Uh, of the ones that you've listed there, Synthesia is probably the closest product in terms of uh, similarity from a user's perspective and uh, final output with kind of the avatars. But I think a lot of people are playing with the avatar space. And of course, some of those that you mentioned there are maybe a little bit more like kind of aimed at a prompt to video piece where you might like just put any prompt in and it will just generate something uh, a few seconds long, basically based on the style and, and the prompt that you put in. So those kind of two competing spaces. Uh, the the AI avatars are really much more about the kind of human-like avatars with the very accurate lip sync um, for talking head kind of type pieces. Yeah, that's one thing that struck me actually, the accuracy of, of this, because you know, in, in various areas like large language models and, and so on, there is a great deal of inaccuracy, isn't there? Um, and hallucinations and, and so on. Um, but yeah, the, this is, I mean, the text to video is is, is really accurate, isn't it? And uh, as you said, the lip syncing is, is incredible. It's really amazing. One of my favorite things when I joined the company was I kind of, I, I just had a lay person's experience. So I had tried out the product a bit and I, I you know, typed in some text and it, and it suddenly I had a lip synced avatar. And I, I just had this assumption that it was somehow taking the text that I'd written and lip syncing. But after joining the company and getting kind of introduced to the head of research, who explained to me a bit about how, how the avatars work, as much as anyone who's not a AI researcher can understand, <laughs> um, it actually is about the, the audio sample. So it's actually the, the avatars are trained on the audio, not the text at all, uh, which maybe actually does make more sense now that I say it out loud. But um, what's so cool about that actually is that you could take uh, this, you know, this podcast, this voice, uh, my voice right now, a recording of it, upload it in, and it will lip sync just just as well as a text to speech. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, now, 
we can we can go under the bonnet a little bit more if you want to. I, I mean, I'm out of my comfort zone once we start to really geek out on on how the tech works. But what can you tell us in layman's terms uh, about the way that uh, the, the way that it, it actually works? You know, converting um, speech, um, sorry, text in, in, into very well well synced speech. You are in some ways speaking a little bit to the wrong man because like I'm sure I'll butcher the explanation and our head of research will be cringing in his sleep. But they basically create um, a mesh, which uh, they take off of the video, they train it, and then they kind of put that mesh back onto the face in order to, uh, and then use, you know, video editing to kind of stitch it all back together. And then that mesh is actually the thing that is moving. So it still looks like the mouth, but really I believe it's actually some kind of other kind of 3D model that they've they've taken off of the face, trained and replaced back onto the face. This is the most that I understand, but uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty complicated stuff. It, it sounds good to me. That that's a really good start, and I'm sure that you uh, the, 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 your colleagues. Uh, who are your colleagues who are who know more about this than, than you? Who might be able to correct you? Give him a shout out. Um, well, we've got um, an amazing, uh, amazing guy named Shazib, who is our head of uh, head of research. But our research team is pretty large now, and we're hiring quite a few uh, researchers. So it's definitely a large team effort. And uh, yeah, whenever I meet them, they just blow my mind talking about algorithms. So yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very unique skill set. And uh, I, you have to be an incredibly smart person to be working in that space in terms of like working with AI models themselves. We applaud them, don't we? So this growing team is uh, is spread across the world. I mean, you're in South Africa as we speak, aren't you? I am in South Africa, although I don't normally work from here. Um, I maybe you picked it up from my accent, but I am a South African born and bred, uh, Joburg boy. But um, I've been living in London now since 2016, and. Uh, we have one of our major hubs is in London. Um, another major hub is is out in Budapest in Hungary. Um, but then we've got people, we've just opened an office now in New York as well. Um, and then we have people all over kind of Europe uh, as well uh, in different little spots, just kind of working remotely. Um, and also quite a few people out of Pakistan as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, now that works well. It's easy to coordinate with, uh, with our teams and so on. Yeah, it works brilliantly. I think, uh, you know, we're quite a modern organization in that, you know, we're very uh, deliverable focused um, and we, you know, we communicate almost constantly on Slack. So uh, it's 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 been a pleasure uh, this kind of last year for me, a brilliant company to work for. Mm, excellent. Good. To, it's really good to know. So in terms of um, where, where, the, where this way of working has come from, uh, I've, I've been doing some mild stalking on LinkedIn, David. Uh, so. <laughs> So you worked for YouTube, didn't you, as a, as a learning designer? So you've got some experience in learning design. Yeah, that's actually the background. That's kind of the story of how I, I came to Colossian. So uh, I'll take you back even slightly further before YouTube. Um, you know, at the very start of my career, I was, you know, before I even learned about adult education and this kind of whole space um, that I ended up working in, I was I was working uh, as a lecturer at a university kind of part time while finishing my master's, uh, which is in education, kind of focused on um, I was very interested in online education and uh, especially MOOCs, which were pretty big at the time or they were kind of coming out. 
And they were making a lot of big claims about how they could deliver world-class education for everyone everywhere. A lot of them had that kind of a slogan. And so I was very interested in that. Uh, and that was kind of the background for me in terms of my, my, my studies. Uh, so I, I knew after I finished studying that I wanted to work in online education in some way, but I just actually, in hindsight, had absolutely no idea what that looked like. Um, but I ended up moving to the UK, which was, um, and I ended up working for a very small startup uh, called the Knowledge Engineers. They, they no longer exist, but um, you know, they were. I was just basically working on storyline content, and and that was how I got into um, online education, really. So. Uh, a year later, the company was bought by a company called Avado, um, which was also quite a large company. I'm not sure if they're around anymore. They might be. Um, but oh, I just pulled a strange face to indicate that I don't really know, but that doesn't really work in a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they are around anymore, but I ended up working for them for a little while and uh, kind of moving up the ranks in, in the kind of instructional design space before I, I moved over to QA, which is definitely still around in the UK. Um really large training organization. And I worked in a brilliant little team that almost acted as a small kind of agency type team where we were doing a lot of bespoke um, kind of learning design for large kind of clients that were working with QA as a whole. So I did that for years and I, you know, I did loads of interesting projects for them uh, before I eventually kind of hit what I felt was a bit of a, a kind of a glass ceiling at time for me to move on. And I got an opportunity to to go over and work at, at YouTube. It was a, a contract role, so it was not a full-time role. Um, and But yeah, I worked there for a year. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, unfortunately, my team was, uh, my entire team kind of globally was made redundant. There was a, if any of you our listeners will recall, the kind of 12,000 or something crazy like that, Google employees that were made redundant at the end of last, beginning of last year. Uh, my team was affected by that heavily. So my contract was discontinued and I was out of luck, which was quite sad because uh, I can uh, confirm the rumors that Google has amazing food perks. <laughs> I was quite sad to, to leave those behind. Uh, amazing breakfast, lunch and dinner options every day. You really can't, uh, you can't compete with that. So what, <laughs> I'm a, sad. Oh, what a shame. I'm still sad about it. I'm still sad about it. Um, but anyways, it's all good because it opened the door for me uh, into Colossian. That was, uh, they, they basically were looking for someone with my skill set uh, and kind of knowledge and history within the kind of um, adult education, corporate education, L&D space, um, but not really to do learning design. <laughs> uh, instead, they've actually hired me. Oh, my title is lead learning experience designer, but I'm really working more as a product manager. And in fact, I probably will officially have that title kind of hopefully in the near future um and and yeah that's what i've been doing i've been working much basically in the product team to bring that experience to help inform a lot of our future product design so that we can kind of really lean into um ensuring that our product works for l d teams and that's that's kind of what our usp is in a way you know, mentioned it earlier what we'll talk about usp a little bit but that's what we're focused on. We really want to help learning and development teams. We want to help kind of workplace learning teams. Uh, cause some of those, of course, are not always in official L&D functions. And some of our clients are, you know, maybe uh, uh, I was speaking to someone who was in, in a finance team, for instance, and uh, they're doing a lot of development of, of kind of training materials for, for their colleagues, but they don't, you know, they actually don't have any background in L&D and so forth. So workplace learning, if you like. Um, mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's what we're doing. It's 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 been absolutely amazing. It's been such a such a brilliant ride so far. Yeah, it's really good that it's on the back of quite a significant cull, of course, in the in the tax base uh, from from Google. So you're coming out smiling there. So it's really good to see. Um, I mean, I'd imagine that quite a lot of the conversation, even though you're saying that you aren't really uh, specifically an instructional designer or a learning designer, I'd imagine a lot of the conversations are about that, aren't they? So, uh, I mean, let's kick that off if we, if we may with a sort of devil's advocate uh, type of question, if if, if I may. Uh, so, um, if so AI is making teaching and learning better, right? So, um, the tools are making it uh, more engaging, more efficient, and therefore people will will learn better through AI. Um, yet a lot of teachers, and this is where the devil's advocate thing comes in, a lot of teachers um, don't yet have the skills to make it work. So if I get use an example of um, something like Diffid, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Diffid or... I've not or, heard of Diffid, no, but I'll give okay. it a Google after this. Yeah, or even Colossian. So if, 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 um, if, if an educator creates this wonderful video, and it's still a kind of you know teacher-centered one-way message to the students, then it's just AI replacing a boring PowerPoint, right? So your your background should be able to give a, a an interesting perspective on that, if if I may. Yeah, I think this is a huge challenge, really, in the learning design space as a whole. And I've, you know, over the years, I've seen and encountered a lot of really boring learning materials, frankly. And it's odd because people. I think know that it's boring, but they, I think often, as you say, maybe just don't have the skills or kind of understanding, um, firstly from a pedagogical perspective, but then secondly, also from a, like a creative perspective, right? So the creative elements could, could, could center on any number of things from a great storytelling abilities through to uh, the ability to create beautiful images that might help illustrate a point through to um, interesting and impactful videos that might, you know, juxtapose different ideas in fun ways um and all of these things like all of these skills are uh, are something that you need if you want to really work in the digital learning space i think and uh, it, just by having new ai tools i don't think you're going to just press buttons and it's just going to do those jobs for you um <laughs> you, I, I still think that fundamentally people need to have those skills and understand what they look like and what good looks like um so yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question. I hope it does. I, I think no, it does. there's a lot of work to be done, right? Uh, on, uh, yeah, ongoing work, because what, um, forgive me if this sounds slightly biased, but one thing we don't want to happen is for this for, for AI uh, to replicate the divisions that we've had in education for many years. That, that is, the, the people who are techie and the people who aren't techie. Um, surely everybody has to be techie in some way from now on because of the ease of use of, of lots of AI tools, like GPTs, for example. Does, does mm -hmm. that make sense? I, I think that's one of the most amazing parts of AI tech as opposed to some of the other tech that we've described. So the difference is that like now I anyone can go and type a prompt in and uh, with a with a well-worded well enough prompt and a bit of patience, you could probably create a really beautiful image, let's say, for instance. Uh, previously, you might have had to have some incredible uh, skills using some very complicated programs to make that same image. So what it's done is a lot of AI tech, in my opinion, has kind of lowered uh, the skill ceiling a bit, but also low, uh, raised the 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 floor. So it's it's brought it's brought the quality up, I think, significantly, and it makes so 
But again, the, the bigger problem is, in my opinion, not always just tech. It's also bringing all those pieces together. Um, so I, mm -hmm. I think it's a big challenge. I still think it's a big challenge. I, I think it's amazing that you can now have a Colossian video with, um, you know, if you wanted a talking head video, which is not always the right, you know, I don't think this is just a one size fits all solution. But at some points, maybe you want to present at some point. One of the amazing things about our, our avatars is that, you know, they're all perfectly lit. They're all, you know, they all look good. Um, they can speak in, you know, 80 plus languages. <laughs> um, you know, and you can translate to those 80 plus languages at a click of a button. So suddenly you can localize your content. You can have a well-lit, well-dressed presenter, uh, you know, from many different ethnicities and backgrounds and ages and all those kind of demographics. So that's wonderful because you don't have to go into a studio, hire those people. Uh, it, it, it's making that kind of access to that kind of a video product, if you like, that much more accessible to a larger amount of people. So, but now you have that access, you still have to do something with that avatar. If you just give it the world's, world's most boring script, it's going to be boring. If you don't edit the video well and you don't take your time to animate your different points in and you know maybe use some of Mayer's principles or something to... Um, signal well or reduce cognitive load, all of these kinds of things, then <laughs> you're still not going to actually achieve the goal of making a great piece of learning content that will support a greater learning effort, right? Mm, absolutely. So the challenge then, um, if, um, this might sound a bit uh, ambitious for a Thursday uh, afternoon. Um, <laughs> it's, what's the time where you are? You said you're two hours ahead, aren't you? So you've Two hours ahead? It's just 20 yeah. past five. Only past five in Joburg, Joburg time. Uh, so, um, yeah, so what, what I'd like to do is kind of rebuild schools, should we say, uh, metaphorically over the next few minutes. So let's take the example of uh, GPTs. So I, I built my own GPT yesterday. Fantastic. Really easy. What's um, your first one? My first one's called, my first one, yeah, called AI Innovators and all about uh, the way that AI can help um, in schools, right? And it works really well. It's quite basic. It was really easy to do. And of course, kids can now have their own personal tutor, their own free personal tutor, can't they? Of course, or very cheap personal tutor. Uh, they mm -hmm. can teach themselves. So I'd like to think that there are many, many opportunities uh, for platforms like Colossian to enable kids to teach themselves in, in very engaging ways. Obviously, the teachers have their own job to do, you know, inspiring, engaging, supporting, assessing, and so on. But um, yeah, so any ideas on how, you know, if I was back in school now, I'd really hate actually, but if I were back in school, <laughs> well, I'd be young, but at least I wouldn't be happy. Um, how how might uh, Colossian enable to enable me to sort of teach myself? That's a great question. Um, you're making me think about it because this is not a question I've thought about before. But one of my favorite things about uh, learning, um, and I had this experience when I was. Uh, at university, probably for the first time, really strongly, actually, I was, I went through uh, kind of an undergrad focus on philosophy and psychology, and I loved philosophy. It was one of my, it was my favorite subject. Uh, in South Africa, we have a, th a fourth year after um, your kind of three year undergrad, which is kind of an optional, what's well, on that optional, if you want to do a master's, you have to do this degree, which is called an honors degree. Um, and I wanted to do this honest degree, but I didn't have the money. So, but I, so I got a, a scholarship, which is brilliant. And I got the scholarship. But one of the conditions of the scholarship is that I had to be a tutor, um, tutoring the first years in philosophy. So suddenly I was sitting around a table with 
a load of first years having to go through the same work that I'd gone through when I was in first year, but now I was helping them to understand it and to teach them about it. And what I discovered is that when you have to prepare and present information and teach others about something, you you suddenly gain a, a whole nother level of, of understanding of that material, right? And that should be obvious. Maybe it is obvious to the, to your listeners, but it was quite a revelation to me at the time. And I think, um, you know, Colossian is a, is a video production platform. It's a platform that allows you to make video content on whatever you would like very, very easily. It's not just about the avatars. Of course, the avatars are a unique piece of our puzzle, but you can you can stitch together very complicated videos with stock me stock media like videos. You can generate images. You can use text. You can use music. You can use shapes and be creative with that as well. Um, so what what Colossian allows you to do is to create great uh, presentations, if you like. Really, what I'm talking about is like videos, great videos. So I think one of the ways that we could help school kids, if you'd like, is give them an opportunity to kind of do some work, um, whatever they're learning, and maybe instead of presenting back as a, however they might have um, presented back their information previously, suddenly they can create a video, right? And uh, and share that with their classmates. And I think that would be a, a tremendous way to help them to kind of go deeper and really strengthen their understanding of whatever they're working on. Yeah, definitely. So I'm I'm currently sharing my screen, uh, David. <laughs> so, so what we can do, do, would it be okay to just describe what you can see there? That these scenes that uh, with two people in them that might be able to, I, I don't know, alongside ChatGPT, for example, alongside whatever large learning large language model is appropriate. This might enable um, kids to to teach themselves to to learn dialogically. Does that make sense? Um, so. Um, are you okay to describe what you can see? Yeah, so what you're seeing on, on screen, this is the Colossian editor. Uh, kind of on the left-hand side, we've got our kind of dialogue area. This is kind of a dynamic space that will change depending on uh, whatever you select at the top. So right now it's got the script selected, but if we selected avatars or backgrounds or shape or media, that would change. Um, and then at the very bottom, you've kind of got your scenes. So each scene is kind of like a PowerPoint slide, basically. So you can create unique scenes. And then in the middle, we have our scene area. And the scene area is your kind of dynamic space that you can play around in and do different things with. So uh, one of the things that you're seeing on, on the screen here, which is unique to our platform, is the ability to have kind of two avatars in dialogue, um, which we kind of foresee as a useful tool for anyone who wants to create like scenario-based learning. Um, so right now, you've got Helen and Anthony. And I think... He Anthony's pretty interesting because he's got the side view. So you can have him, um, so if you select Anthony for me on, on the scene there, if, if possible, Pete. Mm. Uh, Anthony is on the, yeah, okay. Uh, there's Anthony, yeah. Yes, if you just select him on the scene. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there we go, that's yeah, it. That's it. So if you select now change uh, on the left-hand side. Change, yes, 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 okay. Yeah. Uh, in fact, don't uh, sorry. Go back. Go back. <laughs> so oh, I'm not okay. not used to. Um, <laughs> um, so just uh, click out of here. Just unfocus, uh, like anywhere else on the screen, basically. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, not sure if I'm doing this right oh, here. You're, you're getting some information about how to, how to, how the program works. Your first right, time. Okay. Yeah. First time user experience. It is indeed. Uh, so yeah, you're you're able to move them around and reposition them, which is pretty useful. But uh, if you were to select our other avatar on the scene right now. So you can see Helen on the left-hand side there. So you can uh, try and select her. 
Helen? So uh, not on the far left, but on the on the on the scene itself. All right, okay. Yeah, there's Helen, yeah. Yeah, so you'll just have to um right now, yeah, you kind of have to click past him. So just a little bit to the left if you click slightly to the left. Yeah. Oh. Oh, he's click on her. Yeah, I've got it. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll bring him back, I'm sure. Uh, you can change her maybe to someone, say, like Lisa Formal over there on the left-hand side. Lisa Formal, there she is with her glasses on. And, uh, and yeah. What's nice about Lisa Formal is if you see underneath her, you've got the views. You've got front, side front, and side back. So if you selected side front. Mm -hmm. uh, side front, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Like it. Side now front. she's kind of tilted. Yeah. So if we, exactly. So you can... You can kind of position them so that they actually talk to each other because mm -hmm. we initially when we started having avatars on on the same scene they were always just like this right looking directly at the user uh, which just kind of felt a bit weird it didn't feel like that's not how we normally have conversations we normally look at each other when we speak to each other even on a video call right mm. <laughs> so um so that's kind of one of the unique things about the product um so to go back to your question about like I guess I think I, I imagine what you're aiming at anyway. It was maybe a question about could could we have a way to have like GPT kind of in real time either make the avatars speak to each other in a conversation or alternatively even speak to the user, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, this is something we played around with, to be honest. It's something that um, we're quite interested in it's it's a bit more complicated than you think um, mm. to, to achieve. Uh, mostly, and this is going to sound really dull, but it actually comes down to rendering and generating. So oh, that's not dull. That's not dull at all. <laughs> uh, so it comes down to a lot of GPUs in the background in the cloud, um, having to pump away and do a lot of work to make it happen. Uh, at the moment, when you, when you have your video, uh, when you're ready to go, what you have to do is you hit generate and it'll say to you, your video will be ready in 10 minutes, right? Come back, go have a cup of coffee, come back and the video will be ready. Mm -hmm. And what's happening here is pretty much what happens on any uh, generative AI piece, right? It's it's going away and it's running the algorithm to make it work. Now, ChatGPT does this like inhumanly fast. It's unbelievable. But they they, they can do that because they've got like, infinite server capacity who knows what how many servers they have but it's a lot uh other other ai products will take a bit longer some of them are very quick still um some of them are a little bit slower and and it basically just comes down to so if you wanted to have a conversation with an ai that that can have perfect lip sync and render all of that in real time um you you really do need some pretty beefy server capacity and so forth so mm. um would that technically uh, it's possible it is um <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm not speaking as a as a techie here obviously but um wouldn't wouldn't the kids know what to do anyway so for, for example they, they they know already know how to use chat gpt so um they're increasingly getting to know other gpts like um tutor me like the, the number which is backed by khan academy so you've got reputable mm -hmm. information you're not going to get these kind of stochastic parrot situations where it'll uh, it'll answer you with randomness you you get knowledge you, you get sorry scaffolding from um data within Khan Academy. So it's sort of reputable, mm -hmm. isn't it? So for example, if they generated questions and then the answer was the other person. So the dialogue was between the student asking the questions to to to, to me and the answer was the other person in the video. 
that could create quite an interesting revision resource, couldn't it? Does that make sense? It could. I would have to, I'd love to try to play around with that idea a bit more and figure out how it would work. Um, I guess it, it all just comes down to like how, how real time you would expect it to be. Right? Yeah. Because at the, at the end of the day here, what we have is an output, right? You have a, you put your script in, you hit generate, 10 minutes later, you've got a video and the video is static, right? What, what it is, is what it is. So whatever the user, or in this case, the, the child puts in as information is what will be read out loud. So interesting. Does that work with your use case is, is, yeah, is the way you're imagining it? It does. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll move on to some easier questions now, David, because we're doing great with the difficult ones. Difficult ones are over now. So <laughs> let's, let's think about the great things that people are saying about Colosseum then so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hear a lot of interesting feedback. Part of my role is to talk to, to clients. And I talk to a lot of clients because as a product manager, one of your key things that you're looking to do is understand pain points and problems um, that users are facing and then go away and work with the design team and the and the development team and even the research team to come up with solutions. And those solutions often look like features, but not all the time. Sometimes it will be about enhancing things or reducing complexity. Um, so I get to talk to clients a lot and I always ask them at the beginning of a conversation, can you just give me some feedback? What are the things that you love? What are the things that you are really struggling with? And uh, in most instances, the feedback that I hear is they just love how much time it's saving them, like straight off the bat. It's just brilliant. It's it's They're able to create high quality video content much more quickly than they had before. And it's just a real breath of fresh air. Um, other things that they're excited about oftentimes would be some of our, uh, especially some of our roadmaps. So at the moment, for instance, we're currently working on um, some really exciting product features. Uh, one of them being interactive video. So this will allow users to, you know, design branching scenarios or um, have kind of hyperlinkable objects um, to link to other resources or uh, even to add quizzes or whatever the case is. Uh, and all of these features are, are something that are highly requested. So we've, we, we didn't just decide to do this. Instead, it was, you know, a dialogue with our customers, a lot of really excited customers saying, could you do this? Please, could you do this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think one of the other things that I, I hear a lot actually is as people, how much people love the auto translation feature. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, within about five clicks, you can, you can translate any, all of the text on screen and all of the scripts into as I said, over 80 languages. And it's just such a such an easy thing to do. Yeah. We do sometimes have issues with some of the pronunciation or whatever of, of certain words, or maybe it doesn't quite nail it, but it's an AI product. So my advice to clients is always, you should always take the time to go in and like have a, a, another human actually review it and maybe correct for any inaccuracies still. Um, uh, and we've actually just produced, uh, introduced a new feature as well, which was highly in demand, which is it's actually about to release. I'm not sure if it's, it hasn't quite released. It's on the absolute verge, which is uh, finally giving our users the ability to to comment uh, on on videos, right? So you can now share your video with your SME and, and get some feedback and and then much more easily implement it. So lots of kind of those features to enhance productivity. Mm, brilliant. So uh, who, who is, uh, of course, there isn't a typical client, but... Um... What kind of patterns are there in terms of who your clients are? Um, 
Yeah, a lot of our clients are L&D focused. We've, we've kind of got quite a strong sales team now. So when you're looking at the enterprise element of the business, We've got a, a lot of a lot of larger teams playing in the L and D space, but that said, a lot of them are doing very very different work. Some of them it's are, are working on, you know, it depends on their industry as well. So we've got it's really spanning across multiple industries. Um, everything I've I've seen work done on everything from kind of information security and health and safety, as you would expect, through to um, you know, onboarding in hotels. <laughs> and all sorts of interesting use cases so it's quite hard to say um but that is our kind of our target market when it comes to enterprise users that said it's a self-serve product as well you know it, you anyone can try it for free which is mm -hmm. great i think it, it's I, I love a product that i can just no strings attached no credit card information required i can just hop on make an account try it and if i like it maybe i'll purchase one of the options maybe i won't right depends on if it feels like it meets my needs and mm -hmm. i i've had the chance to try it for myself so we have a starter package, which is very cheap um, to support um, kind of entry level users who just want to dabble a bit. And then we have a pro package, which kind of enables smaller teams to work together, more avatars, more features, that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the things, one of the pieces of work that I'm also actually uh, currently uh, tendering anyway, is I've been doing some research into how we might support uh, universities and schools as well with some kind of a scholar package. So. Uh, that is not yet out, but it's something that we're very serious about. We uh, we really believe in our product and we think that many people should have access to it. And we really want to help uh, students, especially. So this is something that's on our mind. So good. And uh, I'm a I'm a fan. It is uh, magic. So um, thanks a lot for your time, David. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you, Pete. It's been brilliant talking to you. And we've been touch soon, of course. Of course. See you later. Wasn't that amazing? Well, next time we have James Coote, MBE, who'll be talking about how university is using AI to help train tomorrow's technologists. Until then, take care. See you later.